there are so many things to talk about in these verses. Uh, and, you know, like, like every week we pray and say, hey, God, what do you want us to teach? And, and I feel really focused. We felt really focused on uh, our shepherding council to emphasize John 8, verse 12. So we're going to be hitting that quite a bit. Um, but first, we want to talk about uh, just light and darkness in general. Can we make it dark in here, guys? Can you do that? Ooh. Ron has the doors open, so it's a little, little less exciting. It's okay, Ron. Don't rush. We, this will only be a few moments. So I, I really love flashlights. It's a super nerdy thing, but I won't point any of this at you because this is a really This is my frog gigging light. <laughs> no one? Anyone? Come on. Someone's gigged a frog. No. Okay, that might be a little too violent for Sunday mornings. I'm sorry. But what's a gig, Daddy? Don't worry about it, son. I'll show you when we're out there. But uh, so I, man, when I first started working security when I was in law enforcement, uh, I worked security at a college and I, or university, I guess you'd say, and I just researched the heck out of flashlights and found just the one that, man, I just really wanted one. And some of the guys on the force, they, uh, they made fun of me. One of the guys nicknamed me Gil. He said, if you were a superhero, you were some sort of caricature, you would be Gil Flashlight. That would be your nickname. So you artsy people out there, if you ever want to draw a caricature of Pastor Gil Flashlight, that's, uh, that's my alter ego. But man, there's something, I mean, just look at this. This is like, it's almost a lightsaber, right? Is anyone else fascinated by this? Could anyone else stare at this all day? There's, you can turn the lights on. No, one, no one's as excited as I am. That's fine. Um, here's the thing. There's something about casting light into the darkness that feels so awesome to me, so powerful. Maybe it's because I really hated walking to the stand as a kid in the dark, and I was like, man, something's going to eat me, right? Or maybe it's just, maybe it's some trauma for me. I'll never know. But there's something about that that really excites me, and it's important. It's important to have light when it's dark. I mean, in general, what do you do that's productive in the dark that wouldn't be more productive in the light? I'm sorry, philosophy people. I'm sure you can think of something. But in general, right, if you're tying knots, it would be better to tie them in the light. If you're tying your boots, like I was doing this morning, and I mistied it twice, it's easier to do it in the light, right? There's several things. In fact, um, we know that we need the light, and we've probably all had this experience. Anyone ever had to hold a flashlight for dad or grandpa? Uncle Tom, it was probably the most traumatizing experience of your life. I saw a meme once about that. I was like, nothing you say can hurt me because I've held a flashlight for grandpa or whatever, right? But has anyone ever become that dad or grandpa that's like, stop, move the flash? Man, we're hanging this light thing in our house, ironically, a light. We're hanging a light. The breaker's off. It's like not light in the room. Hey, turn the light on. Oh, we can't because I took it off. And so I'm having like... Some of my kids don't want to hold the flashlight for me because they know how this goes. They're smart. So my beloved wife is holding the flashlight. And it's just, have you ever had the experience? Like, how do you communicate? No, make it brighter. Just hold it, hold it where I would hold it. Hold it where I want it to be. It's, we need the light. We need light in this little crevice so I can get this silly screw in. Come on, wife. It's her fault for not casting more light. Flashlight can kill a frog. Come on. You know, anyway. So we understand that. Well, okay, come to scripture now. We understand in general. It's intuitive. I have all this like uh, geeky research about what happens if the sun explodes, but we don't need to know that. We know in general we need light, right? We need photosynthesis. We actually have several plants that can live without photosynthesis. We can't, but um, there, there's some plants that could. But you know, if the sun explodes after about eight minutes, because that's how long it takes light to get here, gravity, the, the um, uh, surface of the ocean start to freeze. It's, it's a terrible world without the sun. We need these things. Now, take all that, focus it into John 8. 
chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, there's one that looks like this in the seats in front of you. I would encourage you to open it because we're going to talk about the Word of God. Every week, our goal is to declare the Word of God. That's what I want to speak about. My words will come and go. You'll forget about the cute flashlight stuff. That's just for me. I get excited about that. But ideally, you'll remember the words of God because they're eternal. Those things last forever. Flashlights come and go. Word of the Lord lasts forever. Let's pray. God, I pray that you'd guide us as we read John 8 and all these other verses, as we think about you as the light, as we acknowledge that there is darkness all around us, there's darkness within us. Father, you're the light, and you came to show us what light looks like in Jesus and that he is the light. Guide us to understand what that means more than um, tropes and and fanciful ideas that we just focus and, and learn, that your spirit would guide us on what it means to walk in the light. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. Jesus says, he spoke to them, again, at the Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Booths. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This morning, we're going to talk about how Jesus is the light. Say, Jesus is the light. Okay. And that he exposes and reveals. Say, expose, reveal. That's it. That's what we're talking about this morning. Jesus is the light. He exposes. He reveals. We want to look first about what Jesus is saying, this, what it reveals about him. He's revealing something uh, when he says this, and it, it's pretty controversial. It would have created instant tension. So they're at the Feast of Booths here, and, and there's all sorts of religions and, and all sorts of faiths and things in Rome at this time. Several of them would have had symbols for light, but Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he's here at the Festival of Booths, and, and all these people would have been gathered, and, and as Jimmy and Adam taught, there are so many people that are at this event. Right? You can go back and listen to sermons about unpacking that. But he says this, and it's funny that during the ceremony, um, during the Feast of Tabernacles, each afternoon of the seven days, there were these, these giant, um, uh, in the courtyard of women, there are four large lamps, and they would be lit, and they would illuminate this whole area. In fact, some scholars say that the light from these lamps was so bright, it penetrated every courtyard in Jerusalem. It was so bright. And so you imagine Jesus is in this setting, and, and everyone knows, hey, these, these lamps are being lit. They're so bright. There's all this brightness. This is a special event where we light these big things. We've got, we got the big flashlights that God told us it's a big deal. And Jesus says, no, no, I'm the light of the world. In the middle, I try to imagine the mix of these giant burning things. I am the light of the world. And people are like, What? Like, what are you saying here? Instantly controversial. Jesus is making a messianic claim. And we could unpack all of that for for the Bible nerds in here, the people who want to pull into that. You can look at Isaiah 49, 6, where it says, I will make you as a light of the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Or Isaiah 60, uh, verse 3, and the nations will come to your light and and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Jesus is making this claim here. Hey, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that's been spoken about. I'm the true light. I'm here to make things right. I'm, I'm, I'm what's up. I'm here. Jesus is the Messiah, the light of the world, what Israel was supposed to be. They were supposed to be a light to the nation. They were God's chosen people for the world. And we talked about how they, God's chosen people for themselves. Right? They came in, came inside themselves, focused on themselves. And Jesus says, no, I'm the light of the world. What's more controversial is Jesus directly associating himself with God. In Exodus 13, you remember that God gave a pillar of cloud and a pillar of what? To the, to the Israelites as they were going into the wilderness. What was it? 
A pillar of fire to what? Exodus 3, 13, 21 says, The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. Psalms 27, 1, all the little Hebrew children would have been encouraged to sing this at some point. It would have been a song for, for um, the, the Jewish people to celebrate. They would sing, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Lord is my light. Jesus is revealing himself to be the Messiah and to be God, right? Instant tension. And we've talked about this. This has happened. Jesus tends to reveal this about himself. John wants us to know Jesus is God. Jesus is the Messiah. And it just constantly, here we are again, another situation. Jesus says stuff. Religious leaders are upset, right? That's just what happens. That's where we're at. This is the situation. But Jesus goes on. He doesn't just talk about that. He says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness will not walk in darkness so whoever does not walk in him is walking in darkness there's light you can walk in the light in fact in some ways that's kind of pejorative in our culture right like let's talk about it when when people are saved it's been made fun of that oh they've they've seen the light right that sort of idea oh i see the light i see the light but jesus is coming directly from his understanding he's saying hey i'm the light and you can walk in light where things are truly exposed and revealed or you can walk in darkness where things aren't exposed, things aren't revealed. Darkness often, often represents judgments in Scripture. We see that in Exodus, uh, the day of the Lord. Darkness has been used to explain in Isaiah 13. Uh, we have the dark day, crucifixion, Jesus' death, Matthew 27. In Genesis 1, 3, God separates the light from the darkness. Because they don't go together. They're separate. And again, as the flashlight sees, you can't overcome that light with darkness. It's just piercing through it. That's what happens. We understand that philosophically. It's not hard. We also have this language colloquially, right? You have, you have things that are light, things that are good and happy, and then you have people who like dark humor. You have dark jokes. You have the dark side of the force. What are some things that mark the dark side of the force? Geeky people, come at me. Yoda says it. Anger. Red eyes. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. Old Polaroid pictures. That's the dark side. Uh, anger, fear, aggression lead to the dark side. That's what Yoda says. Who, who thought you'd hear a quote from Yoda today? Who, who thought that's definitely, that was going to happen? I was certain that was going to, yeah. Yeah, anger, fear, aggression lead to the dark side. We see that pulling people. That's our understanding cloakly of the dark side. The world around us, though, let's be real. There are dark things all around. And we could talk about Ukraine, Israel, Public shootings, abortion, broken marriages, broken families, anger, addiction, all kinds of darkness around us. And I don't have to throw out analogies. Like aside from the cute Star Wars references and the cool flashlight, we all recognize there's darkness around us. There's darkness in reality. And the Lord told us that. Scripture over and over is God's word speaking to us that apart from him is darkness. Romans 1.21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Let that sit on you. You know God, but maybe you don't really honor him. He's not really Lord to you, not really following him. The Bible just calls you out and says, Hey, you, you're futile in your thinking. Your foolish heart is darkened. Ephesians 6 reminds us that, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. 
against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Guys, this is all over. We see in Scripture, there is darkness and there is light. But Jesus has come, not just to reveal who He is, that He is the Messiah, that He is God. He's come to expose. Say expose. He's come to expose the darkness. He is light. John 1 already told us right from the beginning. John 1 verses 4 and 5. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 12, 46, later on, Jesus will say, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Some of you are here this morning just to hear this simple truth. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't follow him, there is your answer for why life feels dark, confusing, why darkness surrounds you, why darkness overcomes you. Because Jesus is light, and Jesus guides us to the light. Why do we need to be exposed, you might ask? Like, if Jesus is exposing the darkness, why do we need that? That sounds like, I mean, does anyone here, oh, I want to be exposed. Please expose me. Will you please play on, on the screen the thoughts I've had in the last 24 hours, in the last five hours, the judgmental thoughts I'm having against the flannel guy on stage right now? Play them on the screen. I want everyone, no one wants to be exposed. So why do we need that? In Genesis 1 and 2, God creates this, this world, this perfect world. He generously gives it to us to, to co-rule with Him, to give Him all the glory. And we talk about Genesis 3 almost every week, but, but, but we were lied to, we were deceived. We were told, you could be like God. You don't need to be in the, the place that you're in. You could be like God. You could decide good from evil for yourself. And that's such a sexy message. That gets us so excited. You want to be God. You want to decide, maybe somebody says, I don't, I don't want to be God. Hold on, like... This is, this is America, one nation under God. I don't want to be God. No, you could decide good from evil for yourself. Ooh, I want that. I want to decide what's good and evil. I want to decide how my life ought to go. I want to decide my career. I want to decide what... I want to decide. I want, I want, I want to be in charge. So in Genesis 3, you have this. The serpent lies to them. It says that they were naked and unashamed. In Genesis 2, they, they, were, they were naked and bare and unashamed. They had no reason to be shameful. They, they weren't covered with shame and guilt. You know what happens? Talk to me. They eat the fruit, and what do they do? They know. They recognize. They're exposed, and then what do they do? They do two things. They hide, and then in their hiding, they do what? They cover themselves. Fig leaves, right? You've heard us talk about that great suit of fig leaves that we're always adjusting. We've said that from stage a few times. But that, that's constantly us, is it not? We don't want to be exposed. Jesus already made it pretty clear in John 3. He said in verse 19, And this is the verdict. The light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest their works should be exposed lest their work should be exposed no one wants to be exposed y'all but whoever does what is true comes to light so that they may clearly be seen that their works have been carried out by god some translations you might say have wrought by god made right by god in the light things can be made right in the darkness we hide we don't want to be exposed we don't want to come in to the light because then we might be exposed. People might know us for all the facades, all the veneer, all the fig leaf things that we're wearing. We might be exposed and then we might have to actually admit that there's something beyond or above us or that we're culpable 
for the sin, the corruption, the brokenness, we wouldn't be able to hide. And John 3 tells us we don't want to hide, or we want to hide. We don't want to be exposed. The Pharisees had this tension about them, the religious leaders, where anytime things started to be exposed about them or there started to be these tensions, then they would fight back. And they'd so quickly hide under some sort of religion or some sort of interpretation. Maybe it'd even be some sort of law they had put on top of the law to to kind of govern themselves, to have power and control. And we talked about that so often, but I think it's interesting that right after Jesus says this to them, their response is, ah, you're bearing witness about yourself. Verse 13, John 8, 13. Look, you're bearing witness about yourself. You're testimony's not true. Poo-poo, we don't need to listen to it. Back up. You're done. We, we, we understand how Deuteronomy works, so we, no, we don't need to listen to you. And Jesus says, actually, God bears witness to me, so boom, bam, I win. Uh, but that's, that's a, we're not going to have time to go through that. But they're so quick to hide, to govern back into, no, 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 it's, our religion can take care of us. As we start talking about this being exposed, being in hiding, let's look at 2 Corinthians 11.14, it says, For even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Hold on. We're going to talk about this in a couple weeks, but uh, in John 8, later on, Jesus says, The devil's the father of lies. And now here it says, Oh man, Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light, making people think they found light, pulling people away. When Jesus speaks to Paul in Acts 26, Verse 18, he says, you need to, uh, I want to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith. Jesus carries on this idea you probably heard in Luke 11. He, he originally said, also in Matthew, he says, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, Your body is full of darkness. Verse 35. Be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. John Piper writes about this. He says, be careful what you see. Be careful what you regard as bright and attractive and compelling. If it is not Christ, you will be filled with darkness, no matter how bright it seems for a season. Church, if you're a believer, you need to hear this. We like to have this understanding that um, because we said a prayer at some point or because we do a few religious things that, that we are completely safe. You're secure in Christ. Amen? You're secure in Christ by your faith. You're not safe. The devil prowls like a roaring lion. Sin is crouching at your door. The Bible goes out of its way to let you know, hey, there are things against you. The world, the flesh, and the devil is constantly trying to corrupt you and pull you into darkness. And we forget, we miss, like, hold on, wait, no, I go to church, I read my Bible, so I can't possibly have darkness in you. How would you know that there's darkness in you? 1 John 2 reminds us, but whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Have you ever hated someone? Have you ever thought negatively? Maybe someone in this room, like, ah, bah, that person, You'd be walking in darkness, hiding behind your religious ideals, your religious principles. But Jesus has come to expose darkness and reveal true life. The light of life, he says. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. No one wants to be exposed. 
No one in here, no one listening uh, later on, no one watching from, no one wants to be exposed. Listen, Jesus isn't trying to expose you, to bring you down, to dishonor you, to say, look at what a schmuck you are. Look at what a terrible husband, father, spouse you are. Look at what a terrible employee you are. Look at what a lazy slob you are. That's not why Jesus is exposing you. Jesus was exposed. Jesus was brought down. Jesus was crushed. He was crucified for you. To fully expose you to say, hey, no matter who you are, your worst day, if you're in Christ, if you trust in Him, you've been robed in righteousness. You've been set free. You're made new in Christ. Jesus isn't exposing you to crush you. Jesus is exposing you to set you free. Because He was crushed for you. Jesus isn't revealing life to you to show you how much you failed, but to give you light of life. To show you what truly living is. What if you're not truly living? I just said that. It's a real pastor thing to say. Come on, stop for a minute. Let's break the mold here. Let's just be real. Let's talk as humans. How would you know if something's off in your life? How would you know if you're only living 22%, 38%, 62%? How would you know? And the other part was darkness. That's the whole point of darkness. You don't see it. That's what lies are. You don't, you don't understand them. Jesus is going out of his way to let you know if you're not looking to him, then something needs to be revealed. You're missing the entirety of what it means to be alive. You're walking in darkness. After Jesus' death and resurrection, the church understood that they are light, that Christ has put his life in them. His Holy Spirit has come in them, as we've taught several times, and now they're the light. Jesus directly tells them in Matthew 5, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Take this in. Lean in. If Jesus is the light... And he's exposing darkness. He's exposing and revealing. And then through that, so what? What do we do with that? Ah, now Jesus tells us, no, you're the light. Through Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, now you're responsible for revealing and exposing. We reveal and we expose in Christ. Because we have his light in us. We understand. This could be done really philosophically. It's not too hard. You could do this to a child. We could turn the lights off and we could have a whole analogy about how hard it is to accomplish anything in the room. We couldn't do it with the lights off. Then the lights are on and it makes sense, right? You've seen people who, who come from addiction or come from some sort of background or when we see people who, who are baptized, their, their videos, they explain, hey, I see the world differently. It's almost like Jesus meant it when he said, repent and believe in the gospel. Change your mind. Your mind is wrong. You've got to see things differently. You've completely missed it. You're walking in darkness. And so in Ephesians 5.8, Paul writes, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Ephesians 5.11 takes it even further. He says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Say expose them. Instead, expose them. Jesus is the light. And as his light comes into us, then we go and we see the world differently. We live differently in the world. 
There's a different way I approach generosity because I know King Jesus. There's a different way I approach money and banking and sex and marriage and life and gender identity and, and, and how we treat unborn children. There's a different way life works because I know King Jesus, because it's been revealed to me through Jesus because he is the light. Life works differently. But that's not just for me. That's not just for me to go, oh, David's seen the light, so now I get to walk in the light. Enjoy darkness, peasants. I'm in the light. No, 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 I'm culpable now for you to see the light. What a beautiful world. Think about how much God loves you. You spent so much last week talking about God loving you. How much does God love you that he's putting people in your life to reveal to you what's true? That you're here right now hearing the gospel truth. The Lord loves you. He wants to expose you. He wants to reveal to you. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Jesus is the light. If we follow him, we expose and reveal together as one body, as his church. We don't expose to caricaturize, to degrade, to judge each other, to say our church is better. Look at all the slobs out there. We expose because we believe there's real life. We love people. We want to see them come to know Jesus. We want to have them walk in light of life. James 5.16 is a helpful, practical analogy. It says, uh, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you'll be healed. This is both. You confess your sins to one another and you pray for one another. If we just start confessing our sins to each other, someone in the room's the worst. It's probably me. But um, someone's bad. Someone's real bad. And we would naturally, as a culture, be like, oh, turns out Nathan's as bad as we thought and worse. If we just confess sins, if we just prayed for one another without any sort of confession, then we'd be tempted to over-caricaturize each other. We'd be tempted to just start making some sort of masquerade of who's who. But all of a sudden, if we come together as the church, we say, hey, we're going to confess our sins to one another. We're going to pray for another. Now, we have to stand before a God who's holy, a God who was crushed for us. And we have to say together as one, we need Jesus. And whether I think you're a super sinner or a partial sinner, it doesn't matter, my opinion, because before a holy God, we're all off. We're all in darkness. When we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, we see healing because we have to acknowledge together that Jesus is Lord. That's all I have left. If all of our sins were displayed on the 5 o'clock news tonight or on this screen right now, then we'd either be able to say, well, actually, they're lying. I'm really awesome. Their research is bad. Fake news! Or we'd have to say, ah... No, that, that's, that is me. You, you've all figured it out. So Jesus must be who he says he is. Stop hiding. Jesus says you're already exposed. You know that because he died for you. If you weren't exposed, he wouldn't have had to die for you. He knows. He knows who you are. We must expose and reveal together. Why? Otherwise, we could be walking in darkness. We've already seen how the devil can masquerade as an angel of light. We've seen how the world, the flesh, and the devil are pulling us away. Bonhoeffer wrote this. If you don't know Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I'd encourage you to read his book, Life Together. I could talk a while about Bonhoeffer, but I'm pretty fascinated by his life uh, for as little as I know. I forget a lot of things. But Bonhoeffer wrote, Therefore, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him time and time again when he becomes uncertain or discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself without belaying the truth. You're biased, is what he's saying. You want what you want. He needs his brother man as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. He needs his brother solely because of Jesus Christ. The Christ in his own heart is weaker 
than the Christ in the word of his brother. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's heart is sure. We need each other to expose, to reveal. So how do we do this practically? What does that look like? How do we, I mean, I can tell you these things and you can say, philosophically, that makes sense. And even if you look a couple weeks ago and we talked about loneliness and how we all need people in our lives. We need people to speak truth. We need those sort of things. Vulnerability and accountability. How do we do this in practice? We say in church often that our practical applications are to consider our relationship with prayer, scripture, and church. Look with me real quick. Uh, a few verses in Scripture. Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word is light to you. Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. The church is supposed to be light, revealing things in your life, exposing things in your life. You are the light of the world. John 8, 12. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Jesus says the same thing in John 12. John writes the same thing about Jesus in John 1. We need prayer, scripture, and church in our life. I know that's such a super churchy thing to say. But I've been alive long enough, been an addict long enough, been a husband, a father, a dude. I've had a lot of roles in my life, and I acknowledge that apart from these things, I walk in darkness. I fall apart. If I just had prayer in my life, I would be making up a God that I want to pray to, to worship. And there are plenty of religions out there that can get you there if that's what you want. Make a God of your own image. In fact, some versions of Christianity will let you make God however you want and pray to him. But when you have prayer in scripture, all of a sudden you have to pray to who God actually is. You have to be culpable for his word. You have to recognize there's a God who loves you and wants to speak to you. But even then, you could think of yourself too highly and start weaponizing it and completely miss the point of scripture, which is that we're one body, we're one community, a people called out, a new humanity, a new creation, a church, a kingdom. You need prayer, church, and scripture in your life. Otherwise, you walk in darkness. What does your relationship with prayer, scripture, and church look like in your life? Are they consistently revealing and exposing? Or are there parts that you're still hiding? Are there ways that you're trying to to cover up light? Let me be real with you guys for a minute. Uh, Recently, I've been really moved by the idea that community is a discipline. I was raised in a world, even a a sub-Christian culture, uh, where the idea was that uh, Christian community is just just the bros you like to hang out with. Y'all trying to not look at porn together, so hang out and and enjoy not looking at porn together, you know, whatever. Or or you're all single moms, so you get together and hang out. Or you're all dudes who want to shoot things on the weekend, do so and then pray beforehand. You have these versions of community that, that is just convenient. Tribes. And our culture has taught us that you need your bros that you just go and drink with, or you need your gals that you just go get tea and gossip with, or when you're struggling, you need your friends you get high with. Whatever it is, that's what we're taught. But that doesn't actually get us to community. True community always involves accountability and vulnerability. People you can be your true self with and become who you're truly meant to be with. That's vulnerability. That's being exposed. And then people who reveal what's true to you, who hold you accountable. True community is accountability and vulnerability. It's a discipline. And when you read the New Testament, you see how they came together. When you hear the words of Christ, how he drew in his disciples, you recognize this has to be a discipline because it's not natural. I don't want to be exposed. I don't want people to know the struggles I still have. I don't want people to know the times I still get angry. I don't want people to know the times that I still almost struggle with relapse. I don't want people to know the things that come on me. I'm so scared they might find out that I'm actually still anxious and tense and worry all the time. Stop. 
If we're one in Christ, we're coming together, confessing our sins, praying together, exposing what's dark. All of a sudden, we look to Jesus with open hands and say, this is what it means to truly live. Oh, now we see light. We see forgiveness. We see love. We see a mission of going and living in Christ, drawing other people, making disciples. Community is a discipline. This morning, as we move to respond, Nathan's going to come and play some music. And he's going to play for a couple, two or three minutes. You have a couple things that you can do during this time. Uh, I would encourage you to come and grab a candle. We're going to use that here in a little bit. There's a candle, there's candles right there. There's little electronic candles for kids, for those of you who are smart and know your kids and understand fire. And so those are right there. There's some over here as well. Part of the response is just coming and getting a candle while Nathan plays. I'd also encourage you to think about what is my relationship with prayer, scripture, and church? Is my prayer life and my scripture life never really exposing and revealing anything? If that's true, you're not reading the Bible right. You're not talking to the Lord because his spirit convicts. His word draws us to him. What is your relationship with the church? Are you a part of a church? Are you, are you vulnerable and exposed before others to have true community, to grow in who Christ has called you? Or do you just hang out with some people you hide behind? They don't truly know who you are. They're just there with you when things are high or good or whatever. What is your relationship with prayer, scripture, and church? I would encourage you also during the few minutes Nathan's playing before we sing together to pray with each other. We say this every week, but there'll be people on the wings and around you can pray with or you can pray with the people next to you. Think about the Lord's Prayer for a minute with me. It doesn't say, my father, give me my bread. All of us who've played on a middle school football team, know the Lord's Prayer. All of us have heard the Lord's Prayer. It says, Our Father, give us our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Forgive us as we forgive others. Jesus taught us to pray together, communally. And so as you respond right now, grab a candle, open your hands, think about what is your response to prayer, scripture, church? You have those vulnerable, accountable relationships. Maybe you need to go pray with someone. Gather together. Pray, our Father. Take two or three minutes to grab a candle to respond. And then we'll begin to sing together. We're going to sing a song that, that declares things about in the darkness we were waiting. Declares in the, in, the, in, the, in the spirit lit the flame. The church of Christ was born. We're going to be singing about these things together. Take time to stand and respond. Pray with me. Father, I pray you guide us as we respond in this time. I pray that your spirit would continue to unify as you tell us to preserve the unity that we have, the, the bond that you've given us, that there's one body, one faith, one hope, one baptism, one God, the Father is above all, in all through God. I pray that you would preserve the unity you have, and I ask that you'd continue to draw us to you, that, that your light would reveal the dark places for those of us who are hiding that we would stand comfortably exposed before you, trusting in Jesus, who is the light, who is crushed for us. God, thank you that, that you took on our sin, that you took on our punishment, that Jesus uh, was, was crucified and resurrected. We thank you for that. Guide us as we respond now. May we respond as one body. May you grow us in vulnerability and accountability. Thank you for your love for us, God. Amen. Take time to respond.
as we hold these candles, these lights, we recognize the symbol, the understanding speaks for itself. Jesus is the light of the world. He exposes, he reveals. Jesus knows you exactly for who you are. He's exposed you. And he loves you. And you can leave from this place fully known, exposed, loved, forgiven in Christ. You can leave this place revealing what it ought be to live through the light of Christ, exposing what is dark. You can leave this place having it be revealed to you as God continues to show you what it means to live in Christ. Or, you can blow out this candle pretending that you've got it all figured out and just continue to go. All of us have to blow out the candles. Every analogy breaks down. But metaphorically, some of us will blow this out and say, "Ah, I got this figured out. I'm going to keep going, keep hiding. But right now, the gospel truth has been presented to you. King Jesus has been made known. His light is staring right in front of you, literally right in front of you. You can choose to walk in that light, or you can choose to hide in darkness. The Spirit is moving. Are we willing to trust in Him? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. John tells us, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Are you walking in light, the light of life, as Jesus has revealed to you? Are you living exposed in real relationships with others? Or are you hiding? This is your chance to continue to seek Jesus, to give your life to Him, to walk in the light.